Hey everyone, welcome to Season 6, Episode 1 of the Drone to 1K Podcast. I am your host, David Young, and I just wanted to tell you a little bit about what to expect if you've never been here before, and if you are a listener of the podcast, I can tell you what's coming up for this season. So, we typically only release about one season a year, 10 episodes, and we don't release stuff until we have all 10 episodes recorded, that way we don't get behind. So I just finished the 10th episode right before I left for Christmas break, and now we are going to be releasing them. So episode one is today, and it is with someone named Brian Coster. I first met Brian in one of our programs, courses, actually it was the Drone1K course back in 2020, and he built a pretty sweet business for himself. It started off sort of in real estate, then switched over to mapping, he's done some really cool stuff working for attorneys and architects. He's going to tell you all about it uh, on today's podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. I will tell you that my favorite part of the podcast was when he talked about what he's doing for attorneys and how he was able to use some mapping work and the examples he used of how he proves stuff in court a certain way. So pretty cool. At least check that part of the uh, podcast out if you're just skipping around. But as always, if you want a free shirt, leave us a review on typically on Apple Podcasts. Just leave an honest review. If you hate this podcast... Go leave a one-star review, email me, I'll still give you a shirt. I'm not trying to bribe you to leave a good review. Other people who are looking for shows like to see what other people think. So if you really like it, leave a review. If not, no worries. Hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome back to the Drone to 1K podcast. I have with me today on the podcast a special friend, Brian K. here at South Bay Drone Services. Brian, thanks for coming on the show. I want to give us a little background on yourself and your business, like just a little two-second version. Sure. This is my third career. My first career was in advertising as an art director, so I created magazine, TV ads, stuff like that. I did that for about 15 years and they basically kick you out at age 40. If you don't move up in management, there's no 40 or 40 plus year olds in an ad age. So right on time at age 40, I of course got kicked out. Went on to my second career, which is web development, building websites. So I started a company doing that and I did that for about 13 or 14 years. I still kind of do it a little bit on the side, but I don't really push it anymore. I still manage websites and I still build them every once in a while. But I found that business to be very difficult, hard to get clients to understand the costs of everything. Everybody thinks it's super cheap when it's really not. So I decided I really needed to move on to something else. And uh, I had been flying radio controlled airplanes for most of my life. And I remember we were on vacation in Washington State at Olympic Park. We were hanging out at this really cool little hotel in the lake and this guy and his family were sitting on the edge of the lake. And all of a sudden he brings this drone in and I really never seen a drone before. He brings it really close to them. They all get together. He hits a button. The drone just starts slowly pulling back up into the air. And while they're all waving and smiling, I'm like, that is so cool. I totally want one of those. And eventually about a year later, I got around to buying one. I bought a Mavic 2 Pro. So I had this expensive little toy. Didn't know what I was going to do with it. Thought a lot about it. I ended up talking with one of the parents of my son's friends and she's a real estate agent. And I said, Hey, I think Maybe I could do something with this drone that I have. So I talked to her about it. And basically her advice to me was, hey, it's great you got a drone, but really what we all need are photographs, you know, interior, exterior photographs. Like maybe every once in a while you'll need to use a drone, but really if you want to do it, that's what you got to do. So I was a little disappointed, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to go down this route. So I practiced for like all Christmas vacation, did an online tutorial thing, kind of learned how to do it. And I went to her and I said, okay, I'm ready. She hired me and I did my right. first job 
shooting just the interior exterior photos. If I looked at them now, they're completely awful. I was terrible, awful at it. <laughs> but you were willing to, you were willing to suck at first. Oh yeah. To get better totally. later. You know what I mean? If you wouldn't and have been willing to even do that, you would not even have gotten there. Exactly. And she was super nice and like, these are great. These are awesome. But I hated them. And I'm like, I got to do better. So I was super committed. But you hated them like, at the time you hated them? Like you knew you hated oh, yeah. them then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought these are pretty good, but they're not like what other people sure. do. So you knew what they could be. Yeah. I knew what they could be. So I, even though she's like, this is great, I wasn't happy. I kept trying to refine, get better and better. Every job I did, I tried to get better and better. I did that for a year, that, that whole summer season of shooting. And then, you know, in the winter, it, it calms down a lot. And I just said, you know what? I want to be better than this. So I found a different guy on YouTube, a guy named Nathan Cool. He has a whole bunch of video tutorials and it was to shoot in a completely different way than I was doing that first year. So okay, I cool. spent all winter learning this new technique and trying it out and getting ready. So when I got my first job, I did again, the new technique and oh my God, it was a thousand times better. And I'm like, oh, now okay. what was the new technique called? Well, or does I, it have between the weeds, there's really two ways you shoot in real estate. You either shoot what's called HDR or you shoot flambient. And my first year I was doing HDR, but the second year and from then on, I've been shooting flambient and I like flambient a lot. And by the way, flambient is flash plus ambient. That's the combination of those two words. And yep. basically you're shooting one shot that gets you the real shadows and sun. And then the second shot gets you the color. Correct. With the flash. Anyway, you combine it in Photoshop. And what I liked about it was you had total control over the situation. Like I knew in the moment that I had the exact pieces I need to make a great shot versus HDR, where you just shoot it, you go home and you hope that everything comes mm. together and the computer puts it together. So you're like, yep. you know, fingers crossed that everything's going to work out. Yeah. Flambeat, I felt in control. HDR, I did not feel in control at all. It would take a little bit more setup because you got to bring a flash or does it just go on top of your camera or is it like a tripod like light? Yeah. So basically the best way to do it is to have one really large flash that works mm -hmm. in big spaces like living room. And then if you yep. need it, you, I have a little flash on my belt loop essentially. And I pop that out and I take a couple pops to like fill in areas. Uh, and then when you get into smaller rooms, you don't need the big flash, like bedrooms, bathrooms. So you just walk around with a handheld flash and it goes pretty quick. I can get in and out in the house in about 30 to 45 minutes. So okay, the, the more you do it, definitely the faster you get. Because you yeah. know, by looking at the histogram, like you're really following the histogram. By looking uh -huh. at the histogram, you know, I've got it. So I don't have to think, oh, is this going to work? You just know. If like my histogram right. is good, you're good. Sweet. Okay. Awesome. When did you see that person flying that drone on the beach? And then when did you get your first drone in the calendar so, timeline here? Yeah, I saw that drone on the lake in August of 2017. Got a drone sometime between then and 2018, somewhere around there. I did my first real estate shot with no drone. The first year I didn't do any drone because I didn't no. have a license. And I, I right. felt like I really needed to learn this photography thing. Like I was going to go nowhere unless I could do that well. And so my, my yeah, thought was, yeah, right. I got to do that well before I add more complexity. So yep. I did a year of that. Uh, so my first real estate shot was in February of 2019. And that was when COVID hit. So right around before COVID, I found you guys online, Drone Launch Academy, and I did my part 107 testing through you guys. So thank you very much. Good job. <laughs> and I actually did the test like right after COVID started. So it was really hard to find a testing facility that would take oh, me. Were they like all closed? 
Oh yeah, they're all closed. When things got a little more open, I finally found a time and a place that I could do it. Once I had that, then I started adding drone too. And, and by the way, over COVID, I just practiced a ton with that drone, like kind of learning how it worked so that I was ready when I did my first real estate with that. Did you find business to be a little slow during COVID? I guess you weren't really super ramped up. It didn't sound like yet maybe, but was that, did you find that period to be more difficult or not really? Yeah. You know, for this interview, I decided to go back and look at it and it turns oh, out thanks. it's really crazy in July of COVID year. So July, 2020, I suddenly was working a ton. I really? didn't have any jobs before July of that year, but so that was pretty, pretty early on in the process. I remember that summer things kind of opened up a little bit. I suddenly just started working constantly. Okay. Well, sweet. I do remember you were in a Facebook group with some of our students. I just have like a memory of one clip where you're just like, just booked my first uh, real estate shoot with a drone and you listed the price or whatever it was. I think that was in 2020, right? Or was that in 2019? Yeah. It would have been in 2020. Yeah. July. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, sweet. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've seen. Like, I remember that all the way to stuff you're doing now. It's just cool to see the whole progression. So 2020 kind of started ramping up. You started using the drone, rocking the flambient method on real estate. <laughs> and then yeah. take us from there. Like what happened and how did it grow? Were you doing enough business for this to be like a full-time thing? How is that working with your like other business ventures that you were doing with websites? So the website thing, I just kind of walked away from essentially not really? marketing it anymore. So it's kind of word of mouth. Okay. People find me, I still do it. So that was one year of just shooting photos. Then the second year of the summer season, I added the drone. And then while I added the drone, and by the way, I went through the drone to 1K uh, group, the first group that you put together, I was in that initial yeah. group, which by the like way, our beta, the, our beta launch into beta group. Oh my God, that course was so amazing because I'm like a guy that needs to understand, like you can kind of tell from my story so far, like I need to understand something to be confident and tell other people I could do this thing. And that yeah. course was so helpful because you cover every little tiny little thing you need to know way outside of just flying a drone and shooting pictures, like how do you set it up and how do you do this and how do you do that? And so going through that process really helped me establish awesome. a lot of things. And one of the things was building website, which of course I built my own website, but Sure. You guys gave me all of the other stuff you need to know, that sort of background stuff that all needs to happen. Um, yeah. So awesome. I had built that idea. Yeah, I built the website during the course. And because I had a website out there, I was getting contacted and I was running the Google ads campaign that you guys had set up. I was getting calls for just random droney things. You know, can you do this? Can you do that? That were outside of shooting real estate. So those things just kept cascading and getting more and more of them. Really, if you want to fast forward like a year later, I was really doing maybe half and half, half other things and half real estate. If we fast forward to today, real estate's maybe 5% of what I do. Yeah. I was going to say, cause I mean, you're still part of some of our like group stuff. And so, you know, I see what you're working on things you post, which are always, you're always extremely helpful. You like, we'll put stuff in there. Like, Hey, here's a job I did. Here's how I did it. Here's how I went here. Like, you just put like really, really good information in any type. There's like yeah. any, to help groups out, which is super helpful. I appreciate it. I see now you're doing all these like construction things. I don't want to jump too far there, but I just yeah. got interested to hear the, the shift from real estate into some of the stuff you're doing now. Like I know you got into like mapping and photogrammetry and stuff too, right? Yes. That's the bulk of what I do now is actually photogrammetry, orthomosaic mapping. I've got like a hit from a construction company that had an emergency. They had a site where they were going to pour concrete the next day. 
And he's like, I need you to come out today, make an ortho mosaic map so that I can look at all of the, the rebar and make sure that it's all where it's supposed to be because concrete's coming tomorrow. And this is a hospital. So it's a big, huge project. And he's like, did they have to make sure tomorrow that everything is good? Can you come today? I just got this job this morning, apparently. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know why he found himself in that bind, but anyway, yeah. the normal people he would go to all couldn't do sure. it for whatever reason. So, okay. so hey, I slide in the door. I went out like within the hour I'm out there flying. I do it. I get it to him. He's all happy. And then I continued following up with that guy. Eventually, like, he's like, no, I don't have anything going on. Eventually it's like, oh yeah, there's this other site we have that uh, we actually need a drone operator because the current one um, keeps crashing the drone. So this is a huge commercial construction company. They actually have in-house drones and they have Inspire drone as their in-house drone. And one of the workers, like assistant site supervisor, he was their yeah. drone operator. He crashed to Inspire. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, thousands and thousands of dollars. So they're like, uh, uh, he's like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be the guy, please find somebody else. So the guy that I did the hospital job for, he's like, oh yeah, let me give you the contact info. They need a guy. So nice. I went out there and met them and that turned into a job that I'm still doing now. And it's been like a year later. I'm still on site there every week doing construction progress, orthomosaic mapping, videos, photos. That's what I really love doing. And just to let people know, real estate is very time intensive. It's very low pay and it's a lot of hard work. You're definitely sweating. You're definitely going to sweat moving around the house, doing all that stuff, shooting the video like I was doing versus construction, which pays, I don't know, five times as much. You know, you sit in a little vehicle, you cruise around the site, you get your drone up in the air. Most of what I'm doing is automated, sort of weighing the difference. It's kind of easy to say, ah, real estate, great, but construction, progress, that's better. Now, I want to go back real quick. I think there's some valuable maybe nuggets we can uncover for people here. You did that emergency job for that guy for the concrete pour. And then you said, you know, I kept following up with them, following up with them. What did that look like? You know, because somebody else could have just done that and then walked away and never contacted him again and forgotten about it. But I like the fact that you said you were in contact with them and following up. So from a, just a good business perspective, what did that look like in your follow-ups? Were you just emailing them saying, hey, just check it in, see if you need any help? Or can you get specific with, if you remember, like what that looked like? Yeah, no, I totally remember. It was, I emailed him um, because when I called him, he was super busy or wouldn't take my phone call. And you know what? I'm a nobody to him. I mean, this guy is pretty high up in that business over there. And I'm just a guy who went out and did an emergency job or whatever, but I did yeah. continue following up the email just because I figured that's pretty low stress engagement for him to just read my email every, and by the way, I didn't send it like every other day, you know, I, I'd send it like right. once a month, you know, just give it sure. their time, let it breathe, Yeah, reach out to him again. And then it paid Would off. You, lucky with timing, you know, you say lucky with timing, but that's yeah. because of your, you created the luck, you know, because yeah, you're exactly. That, yeah, that's what, you know, luck is all about how hard you work. Right, right. Did you just happen to remember like once a month or did you have any system for like, I'm going to set a reminder for a month from now to hit him up again? How'd that work? I did not, I didn't have a formal system. I knew, especially going through the drone to 1K program and just kind of, because in that program, you really emphasize, hey, you know, sort of look around at all the things, all the business models that you can do drones with. And I'm just a construction nerd anyway. So it was a natural fit for me to kind of do it. So 
it was really important to me to keep, you know, putting bait in the water in the construction world and just keep getting it. So I didn't have to remind myself. I just knew that I knew to keep. It was on your mind. I had a foot in the door and I wasn't going to pull my foot out. I could help it. So it's great. And it paid off. Um, I mean, we got a job. Yeah, absolutely. And were your emails just like, well, give me an example of like what an email would say if we're going to get like real specific. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm Bill, the construction guy that hired you and you're writing an email to me, what, what do you say on your follow-up? I basically say, Hey Bill, it's Brian um, from South Bay Drone Services. I just wanted to touch base again. I had done this project X for you and just let me know if there's any other projects that you need a drone guy for. You know, remember I do ortho mosaic mapping, stockpile, photo progress, all that stuff. Just to basically remind you, just make it simple. Just say, Hey, remember me. I did this job. Here's the things I can do. Let me know if you have a need. Sweet. So just kind of a little ping reminder that I exist. Yeah. I like it. Yep. So if you're listening and you're afraid to follow up, just send a nice little email. Hey, remember that I exist and I did this for you once. Let me know. And by the way, I did friend like really bailed him out. So he's got a little soft spot in his heart for me. So you went from real estate, shooting real estate. Now, were you making decent money doing real estate or were you like, this isn't really paying well for me when you were back well, then? I'll, real I'll give you a, I'll give you the, the number. So I live in Los we Angeles, love it. so it's a, it's a pretty higher end area. You know, definitely people get paid here more than more where the other places. Basically I had a price point that was between 200 and 300, depending on the size square footage of the house. And it was two, let's just say it was 250 to shoot the photos. It was another 250 to do the video, which was originally was with the DSLR camera on a gimbal. And then if they wanted to add a drone, it was a $150 add on. And then that drone would go towards photos and towards the video. So you got a benefit in both from the drone. And then were you like doing decent volume with that? Like, was that enough to survive on? Or were you like, it's just not cutting it. That's for, with that price point, with the volume you were getting. I'm not the breadwinner in the family, so I didn't have a lot of pressure on me to okay. deliver. I was much more interested in building the business and the time cost benefit analysis over time became clear to me that I didn't want to do two jobs or three jobs a day in real estate. It was just a lot of effort for the amount of money yeah. compared. I mean, if that's all I had, that's all you'd have, but I had other sure. opportunities and other business models. That were much more profitable for a lot less effort. So yep. it was pretty obvious to me that that's where I should focus. And I even remember back then when you were doing real estate stuff, I remember talk, you talking about, hey, I would really like to get into construction. I remember you asking a lot of questions about how does it work? What do people want? What are the deliverables? You would post, I just went to this construction site and I just went and videoed a bunch of stuff. And what do you guys think about oh, this? Did. And everybody's like, oh, that's so, you're like, you're pretty good. Like, you, you, you know, you, you sound humble, but like, you're pretty good at, even just like cinematography stuff, you got like really cool looking shots and all the stuff of the site. So you're definitely someone who like really digs in deep, like you said, and understands things and gets good at it. I even know back then that you were pushing towards the construction. So it's, it's nice to see that you like stuck with it and it's worked. I think people might want to know too, if there's people who are on here that are listening, they're totally new. We've been talking about photogrammetry. Would you mind just explaining in layman's terms what you mean when you say you're doing photogrammetry for construction? Sure. I have to do this all the time because nobody understands what an ortho mosaic map is or photogram. Right, right. So yeah. So basically think of it in the simplest terms, it's Google maps on steroid, like on super high resolution. So basically you're taking maybe thousands, 
hundreds of photos straight down and each one has geolocation data in it. And then you upload it to some sort of software and that software stitches it together, gets rid of all the distortion that's in every single lens and creates one giant photograph straight down that has no distortion. In fact, it's so undistorted that you can get like half an inch to a pixel kind of resolution. And what's really great about it is you can measure from any point inside there to another point, and it's super accurate down to an inch. Like if you really can put those points, you'll know exactly how far it is from one thing relative to another inside that photograph. And so that's what's really useful to a lot of people. That's one of the best, simplest explanations I've heard. I might just rip that off word for word for some of our <laughs> I'll give you credit. I mean, you talked about the concrete pour, but can you think of another example where a construction client might utilize orthomosaic image with photogrammetry? So like at this big construction site that I go to every week, uh, they don't always ask for an orthomosaic map, but what they do, they utilized it a lot, especially when uh, at the early stage, so it's called earthworks when they're moving the dirt around. When I worked for the earthworks group, they used it a lot. They would take a, a, the JPEG from it because I would send them JPEGs at different resolutions. And they would use that in their little PowerPoint or whatever to talk to all the subs and say, hey, look, this area over here, this is where we want to focus on, or we need to move dirt from here to there. So it's basically, they could go anywhere inside that, grab a little picture of that area, and then use that as a guide to talk to the subs. So, so using it kind of like for site planning with their whole team. Yeah, because I took it yesterday. So it's super recent. It's very high resolution and it's very accurate. So it's a great way to visually communicate to everybody because on these sites, there's like hundreds of people, tons of different subs. And so you need to make sure everybody is on the right page. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. And so this became a visual aid that helps them do that communication. Good communication tool. Yeah. I know it's photogrammetry is a little bit less accurate on the Z scale, like up and down as opposed to left and right, but it still can be pretty accurate from like an elevation perspective too. So I don't know if Earthworks, if they are ever using that to figure out how much they need. Sometimes they would drive you around the site and they say, tell me how much dirt is there. I need to know how much dirt is over there. I need to know how much dirt. They would point oh. out the pile and then I would fly yeah. to his mission and do the stockpile analysis. And oh, awesome. they loved that. That was super helpful. Now the, the Earthworks people, the people they've subcontracted to, they're also doing that stuff. So it's not like I'm the sole provider of stockpile. But there were instances where they needed the information and for whatever reason, the Earthworks people couldn't provide it. And so I'd go out and fly those missions for them. Gotcha. Now, what software are you using typically to do these kind of jobs for the measurements so or those? I use Drone Deploy. I decided to go in that route versus Pix4D because at the time, Pix4D was local processing of the map. And I didn't want to burden my computer with all that processing. So I, I thought better to cloud outsource it to drone deploy. And then plus drone deploy was super nice to me in the beginning. Cause they give you the sort of, I think it was 14 day trial period or something. And then I would go out and fly and I was totally practicing, right? So I would go fly something, I'd screw it up. I'd do something wrong. I'd call the guy up and I'd say, Hey, look at my map. It's why does it look like that? And he'd say, Oh, because of this or that. I'm like, okay, I, can I go out and fly it next week? Is there, all right, I'll extend it again. You can, oh, that's nice. Extending the trial period. I'm not kidding. They extended me about three to four months off the 14 day trial because I would go out. I'd say, Hey, I, I'm going to go out You're actually in two days. Yeah. yeah. I'm going out and I'm going to keep 
plugging away until I, I know I can do this correctly. And he was super nice and just kept extending. Yeah, I eventually bought the, the service. Well, paid off so for them. Worked too. out yeah. for them. Paid off for them. Yeah. That's very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I was, you're not kidding with the computer thing. So I'm doing some master's schooling here coming up soon. And we're going to be using some, I'm, I'm going to use Pix4D, the local stuff. And I had to buy a completely new desktop with whatever extra graphics card and processor stuff you need just to do any of those maps uh, locally. So it's, it's nice when you have it in the cloud to do as well. Um, where you yeah, have to suck up all your store all those power. things, to store those orthomosaic maps either. So it's, it's a great service. I mean, I, I really like drone deploy. They've been great to me. They've um, been super responsive and whenever I have an issue, uh, awesome. So drone deploy stockpiles, construction sites today, you said most of your, they're like real estate is a very small percentage of your business. Mapping is a larger percentage of your business. Do you do mapping outside of the construction world or is it almost all contained to construction using photogrammetry for construction? I'm so glad you asked me that, David, because that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Be serious? So, oh, yeah, totally. I'm not awesome. Couldn't have that one up better. Um, <laughs> it was not planned. We didn't even, I haven't even spoken to Brian in person at least months. Two years? Maybe, I don't know. maybe longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Been a while. So there's really three main focuses of my business now. And I wanted to share this because I think they are the obviously construction. Everybody knows about it. But the other two that I do a lot of, I, I don't think people ever talk about it. So one is architects. And what I do is I go out and make a 3D model um, of an area of a res, like a residential property, and then maybe a block all around it. And I send what's called an object file, which is the 3D version of that file. I'd send that to the architect and you're like, well, what's the benefit to the architect? The benefit to the architect is I can go shoot it, send him that 3D model, say the next day or a day later. He now has all the elevation data for that site down plus or minus, let's say five inches, right? Which is plenty accurate enough for him to start working on the project, say versus waiting for the survey company, which is so backlogged out here. It may be four months until they can get out there. So that's four months of time. He doesn't have to sit and wait because he can't start until he knows what the ground looks like, right? It, it's not useful time spent. But with the elevation data from the object file, he can start working on it right away. That's his number one benefit. That's what he tells, because I've talked to him about this a lot. That's his big benefit. The secondary benefit is when he actually makes the 3D model for the property that he's redesigning, typically when you show that to the client, it'll be in like a CAD program. Whereas you'll see the house, but all around it will just be blank space, blank land. Or just like nothing there. Like fake person in a car just or something. Either. Whatever. Yeah. Or fake tree or whatever. Yeah. What he right, can right. do is he can take and edit out the existing house in that 3D model and stick his house into that model. And now when he shows the client that sort of cool, you know, camera zooming around the property, right. now yeah. you see it in context. Like you could see, oh, that's what it's going to look like. That's how close the other house is. That's how tall the other house is. And it's really trippy. If you go in that, in his model and look out the window, you will see what's actually outside that window as you pass by it. Oh, wow. You can go inside the house in these models and go by them? Yes. Yeah. And look oh, out the window cool. and you'll see my 3D model of the house next door. So they can Tree. see from this bedroom, here's what the view is going to be out this window, basically. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So if you think about what the architect's trying to do, he's trying to sell his design and say, this is the right design. And... The client can go, oh, okay, I'm going to actually see whatever, I'm, or I'm going to see that tree, yeah. or maybe we move the window over there. 
or whatever. Mm, yeah. So those are the two big benefits. So I do a lot of architects. The third business model that I've really, this next year, so if you talk to me in a year, hopefully this will be up and rolling super big. Let's do a follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> is lawyers. I've been getting a lot of legal work. I really work for two lawyers now a lot, and this is where I want to expand. So one of them is a personal injury attorney. And basically what I'm doing is somebody gets injured, killed, whatever, in a location. He gets wind of it. He calls me up and says, hey, Brian, go here and do this, right? I go to the site, I make an ortho mosaic map, and then I shoot photos. So I've essentially documented the crime scene or whatever, the scene of whatever happened. I've documented it Instant, yeah. instantly. Now we have it locked in. Plus... He could then use that information if it goes to trial, like he could put together a video that says, here's the location, here's what happened or whatever. It just helps the jury understand mm -hmm. the location. So I do a lot for him and he's super excited. Every time I talk to him, he's like, oh, I'm going to give you more work. I'm going to give you more work. The other attorney I do work for is an environmental lawyer. So I've, I've really been working on this one case with him for a long time. I, I'm constantly giving him more information. And basically I made an ortho mosaic map. In this case, he got into the deposition. So he started to hear what the opposing attorney say or, or whatever. And then he would call me up and they go, Brian, okay. Now he says this well is here and that this happened, but I don't think that's, we're disagreeing with that. And I'd pull up the ortho mosaic map and then I would draw a little line. I would say, oh, that's actually uphill from there to there. There's no way it's something's going to roll uphill. Because I have elevation. Mm. You can draw a line anywhere in space and it'll tell you the elevation mm -hmm. between the two points. Or I would say, oh, that's not where he says it is. Look, the background, you know, the mountain back there, that's that crevice. I can tell you that location is there and not where this photo is from 1925. And, yeah. and that's all we have, right? But the land hasn't changed since 1925. So you can still kind of figure out where things are based on that. I'm constantly giving him more data, like, Okay, here's, and using that same ortho mosaic map, but just pulling different kinds of data out of it. I originally did that for him because he wanted a jury. He wanted like a little minute. And this is how I got the job. He wanted a minute and a half video that just kind of introduced the property because it's kind of a property inside a canyon area. And it's, it's this big property. And he just wanted to have the jurors be, uh, sort of get uh, their bearings of where things were. So as he's talking about different buildings and different locations, they had that visual picture in their head of, okay, that was there, that was there. And it was during that call, initial call, I said, hey, just so you know, if I make this ortho, because you just wanted a video. I said, if I make this yeah. ortho mosaic map for you, let me tell you all the benefits you can get out of it. I can take photos at different locations and those photos would show up on the map, like geolocated. Imagine you're in a trial and you're looking at this long property. You could say, oh, let's look at this photo. You could click on it in the map. So the, the jury goes, oh, that's there. And then boom, it shows that photo. Everybody has, again, spatially where things are in relation to other things. So when you're just looking at a photo, you already kind of know where is it on this property. And he's like, that sounds great. So that's how I ended up doing the ortho mosaic map. And then he would call me like, hey, Brian, can you help me with this problem? That, and I'm yeah. like, oh, now I Now that you've got the wheel yeah. turning on like that, what it can do, you know what I mean? What it, and absolutely now he's just like, oh, he's constantly having like, oh, can we do this? Can we do that? And the longer I work with him, the more he kind of is... Again, like you're saying, his brain is going, oh, we yeah. can figure that out with this. That's awesome. Man. So that's my, love third, my third client uh, idea that I would tell people. And all three of these, by the way, are all 
people that have a lot of money. I mean, lawyers, we're talking about big amounts of money. Architects, you're talking about million plus home front models. They're huge. Yeah. Yeah. And commercial construction. I mean, these are massive projects, millions and millions of dollars. What you can charge is a lot more than what the real estate agent who's really concerned about how many sandwiches she's going to pay for, for the opening. Right. And then, you know, oh, I got to charge, you know, charge me $150 for a drone. Whereas on the construction or other stuff, you're just kind of well, like I, a rounding yeah, error yeah, on, their, just, on their budget. Yeah. yeah. And when you get in corporate stuff like that, maybe it's different with the attorneys, but you know, it's not like you are taking money out of this construction project manager's pocket. Real estate agent, you're kind of cutting straight into their commission yeah. versus, I guess, an attorney, maybe, or maybe they would bill that back to their client. I'm not sure. But, um, but at least the amounts are much bigger for them. So um, with attorneys, what I've learned is you can charge for the phone call. Yeah, they're because used to that. That's kind of, part of their business model. Well, you're kind of a consultant for them, for their clients, right? So you're getting paid for what you're bringing, not just collecting that data, but helping them kind of piece it together. Man, I would never have thought of attorneys. That, smart is, that is my focus for the year is attorney. What is it? What made you think of that? Was that attorney contacted you and that got your idea wheels going? Or did you just randomly think that up and reach out? So the environmental attorney was the first attorney that reached out to me. And again, he just wanted a video. So oh, I, yeah, right. so the, the understand, like, oh, I get it. A drone, we need a drone because we need an Airbnb. It's in a canyon. It, it'll help me with what I need. Um, that was my foot in the door. Um, yep. with the personal attorney, personal injury attorney, God, what was that job? I'm going to assume it was the same kind of thing. It was, I just need this site documented and I need it from the air. Oh, by the way, the personal injury attorney, you can't step foot on the property of where the accident happened. He told me it'll take sometimes 90 days to get that permission to actually physically step on the property. So like I did this one private site. property. Is that why? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's private property. So mm. there's one guy, unfortunately, passed away in a distribution warehouse, which is where they load all the big trucks. So they have a ton of these trucks parked, right? And they were parked too close together based on their own guideline. So the fact that I could document, look at how close every one of these trailers are parked next to each other. And I remember in the middle of flying it, the guys who work in the building at the front gate, they saw me and I actually had two private eyes who were with me representing the lawyer. Okay. They went over and talked to him and said, uh, it's, there's nothing you can do about this. We're totally hundred percent legal. They okay. called the police. He came back and said, oh, they're going to call the police. I said, great, call the police. So the police showed up like two minutes later, three cars rolled up like two minutes later. Yeah. The lead guy goes, come here. And the first thing I said, I go, Hey, look, I'm a part, I'm a FAA licensed drone pilot. Actually, I have to have FAA permission to fly in this location based on the airspace regulation. And I have that permission from the FAA. Just so you know, he's like, so explain to me the rules. What, what's going on here? I said, oh, we can't set foot on their property, but they don't control the space, the air above their property. That's controlled by the FAA. And they've given me permission. He's like, okay, how much long are you going to be here? I said, I'm, I'm like another 15 minutes and then I'll be done. He's like, okay, correct. Then he pulls away, goes over to the gate guy. And of course, he yeah. gives them the really bad news that uh, there's nothing you can do to stop them from flying over here. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing different than if uh, somebody hired a helicopter pilot and a photographer to go 
fly over yeah. it with a helicopter and snap photos. The police aren't going to go chase that helicopter down and be like, wait a minute, give me these pictures. So the benefit to the lawyer is he could get all kinds of detailed photos because I could get all kinds of great detail about how everything is within a day or two of the accident when they've not had time to reconfigure the whole site so they're mm. all in compliance. Yeah. And I talked to the lawyer recently and I said, hey, what happened to that job? He's like, oh, we showed him all the documentation we had. They settled. Dang. That's awesome. So that's a huge benefit. So you're almost yeah. like an extension of their private investigator team at that point, being exactly. able to get yeah. more evidence. Yeah, man, that's so cool. I love it. Well, we've been talking for a while, all incredibly good stuff. Is there, if you were talking to someone, because you've done everything from, again, real estate, all the way to the photogrammetry stuff, even in different industries with photogrammetry than other people might think. If someone was just kind of starting off, they're like looking at the different business models. They like drones. They want to make money. There's a lot of people out there like that. What guidance would you give them? And I see you giving guidance often in our groups and stuff. What are your pet peeves and what guidance would you give people? All right. So this is the guidance I've given a lot of people. And so I'll share it with you. So the first one is listen to your client's needs. It's really easy to go into a meeting or whatever with somebody and kind of know what your talking points are. But really what you should be doing is listening, reacting to what they're saying. And you'll work in your, the points you want to get across. But do it in a way that addresses whatever their needs are. So like my great example of the environmental lawyer, who's like, I just need a video. I'm listening to that conversation. I'm like, he probably could really use an orthomosaic map. Let me talk to him about it. Or you're talking to a client who has no idea what they exactly need, but they kind of know a drone is the solution, but they don't understand how. So you just got to listen to them and address their needs. So that'd be my tip. Number one, tip number two is always think about creating relationships. So when you're out talking to somebody, you got to do the small talk. You got to do the, Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's really hot today. Jesus Christ. Thank God you're in air conditioning or whatever. Just the dumb little conversation. It, it's so important to have that kind of human contact and not just be yeah. the guy like, Hey, okay, what do you need? I'm here. I'll go fly. What do you, what do you want? Build relationships with just dumb little small talk. Super important. And then the third thing I would say is. Do quality work. You will separate yourself. And if anybody wants to look at what I do, I try to do the highest quality thing I could, which is essentially my mind. I want to over deliver on what their expectations are. And I hear about it all the time from when I get random conversations here and there from people say downstream from the person who hired me, they'll say, oh my God, we love what you give us every week or whatever. And, mm. and it's because. I believe because I'm, oh, I'm giving them much better work than their expectation. Yeah, so I love it. Along those lines of do better work, there's a couple simple little rules of thumb that I, I have that I tell people. And number one is don't be jerky with your drone. And if you are jerky, cut out all the jerks. Jerky Smooth. is just the movement of the lens the and the camera. movement of the camera. Yeah. I see yeah. so much footage of other drone people where they're doing something and then they'll jerk the camera down and then continue doing something. I'm like, don't do that. Cut that part out. Edit that jerk yeah. out. If you can't redo the shot, cut it out. Think when you watch on TV. When you watch on TV, everything is smooth. Movies, everything is smooth. Our, we're pre-programmed to like that. When you have jerky movements, it's jarring. It, it says, hey, that's a drone. That's a camera in the air. Instead of kind of separate yourself from what you were engaged with and start thinking about what's going on with the drone. So don't be jerky. You're out there shooting. Always be thinking, I need three kinds of shots. I need a close-up shot. I need a medium shot. And I need a 
wide angle shot and always be thinking about capturing those three kinds of shots, whatever you're doing, because what happens when people watch it, if you introduce them to something in a wide shot and they maybe have a medium shot, they get an interest. Like if you're shooting really cool footage, they're like, oh, that's really cool. Uh, that, that light tower is really cool. And then you pay it off at the minute they're thinking that thing's really cool. You give them a nice tight shot in the light tower, whatever. They're going to go, oh, that's so cool. You literally paid off their curiosity at the moment they were having it by giving them the detail. If you deprive them of the detail, they're just sitting there going, I want to see that thing you're, you're showing me that looks so cool and the sun is so perfect and the lighting is great. But I can't, I want to get in. I want to see it up close. So pay it off. Always be shooting those three kinds of shots. And my last piece of advice is not advice I've actually come up with. It's uh, this photographer that I watch all the time who has like this YouTube thing where he goes out and shoots every single day. And there's one thing he keeps talking about all the time is when you're shooting with a camera, you are shooting light. You are not shooting the object. You are shooting how the light is reacting to the object. So always be thinking about what I'm really shooting is light, not the tower, not the building, not as cool as all those things are. If you shoot it with the wrong light, it's not nearly as interesting. So always be thinking about I'm shooting light and how light is reflecting or reacting or playing off of object. And if you start really looking at photos that you think, oh, that's a really cool photo. If you start realizing, oh, it's really cool because the way the light is hitting that object. Making some you know, shadows. It, or, yeah. Or whatever. It, 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 it's yeah. hard to distill it down to one thing. Yeah. You will notice that images shot with a drone or a camera, any, any kind of camera really, that are appealing to you, they're appealing because the way the light, you know, sort of reflecting off of everything. Yeah, I feel like you, you have been one of our most prepared podcast guests that we've ever had. I love it. You're like, Yes, my tips, here they are. Boom, boom, boom. One, two, three. I think this is super helpful for people. And I know this because you're successful at it. And then B, you know, you're, you help people out in our community often. And so I really appreciate you giving those, those thoughts and, and advice. So for people who are wanting to go check you out, your work, or say, hey, do you contact you? What's the, best, what's the best way to look at your stuff or say, hey, are you on active on any particular social media platform? I'm trying to be better at it. I'm certainly, there's other people that are much better at social media, but it's one of the things I really need to focus more on. And so I do periodically update my Instagram okay. with like a flood of content. And then my, my kid's like, dad, calm down. Don't upload 30 things in one day. Look through Instagram. Is it South Bay, South Bay drone services? Uh, South Bay drone services. Yeah. Okay. Pretty cool. sure. Um, I'm sure you'll fix and then that it, in the notes below. Would you rather people look there or your website if they're checking out your stuff? I'd look at my website. Yeah, selfiedroneservices.com because that is the place that I make sure is as current as I humanly can make it. Yeah. Um, so it definitely has all the different things. And by the way, I just redid it. So this is version 2.0. So it says current and reflects me as a drone operator uh, better than version 1.0 did. Well, Brian Coster. Thanks so much for giving me these 50 minutes of your time and, and everybody else out there to share your story with. It was great catching up with you, man. All right. Thanks, everyone.